0: Welcome to 100 Lunches. I'm Jessica Nelson.
1: And I'm Stephanie Lindsay. We're the founders of Etch Design Group.
0: Each episode, we'll have intimate conversations that transcend the usual lunch meeting. We'll dig into the lives of fascinating people in the design industry, and we'll ask the big questions, the small questions, and maybe even a few that sound like it came straight from a fortune cookie.
1: Our vision for this podcast is to uncover the hidden gems in what led each of our guests to their calling in life, from childhood dreams to favorite lunchtime meals.
0: Buckle up, you're in for a treat.
1: This is our first episode of 100 Lunches, and we're so excited to share our story with you. We decided that for this first episode, we should tell you a bit about how we came to interior design and tell you maybe even a few things most people don't know about us (laughs) and what led us to founding Etch Design Group. So Jess, why don't you start by telling us about what your childhood was like and what led you to interior design?
0: Yeah. So originally I'm from Oklahoma, Norman. Uh, Norman's a big, small town, we'll call it. Uh, It's a college town, so there's still a lot happening there. It's home of the University of Oklahoma, Go Sooners. And there's not really much there in the way of design or design influence, which I feel like is kind of Oklahoma as a whole. Um, I was always drawn towards the idea of kind of getting away from home. I I just kind of felt like I was bigger than what Norman had for me. And uh, I actually didn't stay there long after high school. Within just like a few months of graduating, I had moved to Austin to be close to my brother. He was um, working here and living here at the time. So I moved there and um, my first stint in Austin didn't really last all that long, maybe about a year or two. And when the bank of mom ran dry, uh, as she likes to call it, she said, you need to figure out what you're gonna do. So I ended up going back home and um, had a brief stint studying at OU for my business degree, Um, but after I think the third time of failing accounting, I realized that that was really not where I needed to be. And I really need to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. So it's kind of a
1: a weird time. (laughs) So you didn't start in design. What brought you to interior design?
0: So I actually, this is a very random story, but I worked for, um, retail. I worked in retail for about 15 years before I was in interior design. And um, back in 2003, roughly, I actually opened up a brand new Best Buy store that was opening in Norman. And I quickly fell in love with the company's values and culture. Uh, The old school Best Buy days were really fun. And it was a great company to work for. Their benefits were really outstanding. And I made so many great friends. In fact, some that are still some of my best friends to this very day. So I quickly started moving up with that company, and I worked as a store manager for many, many years, um, but I knew I wanted to get back to Austin. So after a few years of working in Norman, I actually transferred to a new store that was opening up just outside of Austin in Bee Cave. And I worked there until I started my first design internship back in like 2009. Um, Ironically, uh, how I got into design is also relates to working at Best Buy. Um, I was there and I met my husband and his sister was actually going to school for design at Texas State. So I would always see her working on her school projects and um, I'd you know, i go over to their apartment and she'd be doing these like amazing Revit models and I was just like so fascinated by it and immediately I was drawn towards it and I knew like something felt right about that. So um, it was kind of the perfect pairing for me because I'd always had this love for technology and then you pair that alongside my passion for you know creating and design. It was just a really good fit. So a few weeks after meeting Scott's sister, I was actually enrolled at the design program at Texas State, and that was a four-year program. So in 2011, I actually applied for an internship at my first design firm, and that's actually where I met you, Stephanie.
1: <laughs> well, I love – I always love – reflecting back on that time and also a little known fact is that Scott's sister's name is also Jessica Jessica (laughs) (laughs) Uh I love that this is a bit of a second life
0: yeah for sure for sure so Steph you obviously ended up in Austin but maybe tell the listeners a little bit about what your childhood looked like
1: so I grew up in California in a little teeny town I think most people that I've met outside of California assume all of California is like Hollywood or LA and it's really not I grew up a mile down a dirt road in the middle of nowhere and uh really (laughs) I loved my childhood but it was not a place that I wanted to stay long term so I like you wanted to get out and get away and uh, just kind of explore the world to a certain degree. So I fell in love with Ty Pennington and Trading Spaces and saw the interior design. I saw the interior design craze that was really even before HGTV. And I just thought what Ty Pennington did was such a fun job and it just drew me in. So, in high school, that's what I thought I was going to do. I even applied for a couple of scholarships locally with a business package with my made up design business and <laughs> I got a couple of them actually. So, I really thought that I knew what I wanted. And then, senior year of high school, we were assigned a project to interview someone in the industry that we wanted to be in so i pulled out the phone book which i know most people aren't there <laughs> yes most people don't use phone books today but at the time that was my source to find an interior de- designer and really it was decorators at the time the area that i grew up in was small like i said and so there were only three in the phone book I called all three of them, one of them called me back, and she was really negative about the industry. She was burnt out. She had honestly done everything herself. She hung the drapes, she made the pillows, she was exhausted, and I think the sense I got from her was that she just felt like she wasn't making enough money to support her exhaustion and didn't make it worth it for her. And that was my only conversation about the industry. And I obviously was turned off. So I decided not to pursue design at that time. And when I graduated high school, I followed my best friend to Santa Barbara and went to UCSB. Obviously hard to hate the beach. So it was pretty awesome. And I enjoyed every minute of it and majored in business as well. So that was my first life, which was really only a year, pretty short stint. And my best friend came to me at the end of our first year and said she felt like she was being drawn somewhere else and needed to pivot in her life. And so it made me reflect and decide I needed to do the same. I ended up leaving UCSB because they did not have a design program. And obviously that was in the back of my mind, even though I had talked to that one designer that didn't have anything good to say. So, I decided, you know, maybe there were other people out there that had something good to say about it and was drawn to a school in Southern California, went there and I would say the rest is kind of history because I loved it and it was obviously meant to be.
0: Absolutely. So, I love <clears throat> the story which you're, the listeners listeners will hear in a second, but I love the story about how you actually got connected to Austin, and obviously you had met Ian, your husband. So kind of tell us a little bit about that and what what brought you here.
1: <clears throat> so the school that I went to in Southern California was in Newport Beach. And my husband, ironically, was moving to Newport Beach within weeks of me moving to Newport Beach. And met, married, and then he took me out of my comfort zone and moved me to Idaho. Idaho. <laughs> that was not part of my Idaho? plan. That was not. My... Yes. Uh-huh. Which is also a funny story between me and Jess, because shortly after we met, we were riding in a car together, going to some showroom and something came up about Idaho. And she goes, yeah, who lives in Idaho? And I said, I did. I moved from Idaho and so we've always joked about that. Who lives in Idaho?
0: Ironically, one of our clients actually hired us to do a job in Idaho. And I remember telling Stephanie, like, oh, I'm real excited about this trip. It's going to be great. And, we and then hi- you loved it. I loved it. It was fantastic. I would totally move there. I would totally move there. So I understand why you did. But I just never knew anyone that lived there before. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, my husband went to his undergraduate program in Idaho, <clears throat> so uh, so we were brought there for a little bit, and then he got into a graduate program in Austin, Texas. There are the story that Jessica was referring to is actually the other side of the story, which was my career side. So there were two things happening at the same time. One was that my husband got into graduate his graduate program, and we moved. Uh, meanwhile, in California, one of the architects that I worked with while I was there ended up moving to Austin at the same time. And so when I found out we were moving to Austin, I reached out to him and said, hey, I'm going to be looking for a design job in Austin. If you know of anyone, I would love a referral. And he came back to me and said, I'm actually looking to hire a designer on our staff and expand our architecture firm to also include interior design. So would you be willing to meet with me? So I feel like those were dots that God put in place because that was an amazing opportunity an amazing connection just fit right in line with what ended up happening thereafter. So Planned for months to go work from him. I interviewed with him in person in Austin, had a great meeting, worked all of the details out. And so I was supposed to start in January of 2014 and a few weeks before moving, he called me and said, I'm so sorry, our architecture firm has taken a different direction and we're not going to open the design division and I thus don't have an opportunity for you with our firm. So then I start scrambling, thinking, where am I going to get a job with just a couple of weeks notice? And uh, he said, you know, I'm, I'm going to reach out to some other designers and see if anyone's looking. And one of the designers that he worked closely with was looking for a lead designer. So she reached out and we interviewed and it was a great fit. And I started working there and that's the firm that Jessica was also working for. Jess, do you remember meeting me for the first time?
0: I I remember the first day and the first week. I remember we had um, a very strange client project uh, that involved a lot of artwork and figuring out where it went. And I (laughs) remember pairing up with you. We we literally knew nothing about each other, but uh, our (laughs) boss had kind of put us together and said like, hey, you know, Steph's joining us. Uh, this is our first week. You know, just welcome her. And um, you guys can kind of just hit the ground running with this this new client, new project. And uh, it was a big house, a lot of really big, crazy artwork. And we literally had to go through one by one and pick these pieces up and carry them to the wall that they were supposed to be hung on. And uh, it was a lot of like problem solving and I from I what I remember about that first week is how well we worked together and it was just very like seamless. It it's kind of like we knew each other forever is how it felt. And um I I remember you just dove in and you had such a good attitude and you were so positive and we just immediately hit it off.
1: <laughs> what I do you remember. <laughs> I remember I, that's funny because I completely forgot about the art situation, but now those <laughs> memories are coming I back. I couldn't ever forget about that client. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. well, I, I remember that the first time I met you, I thought you were the office manager because you were sitting at the front <laughs> desk and yes. Yes. not back with the I was other like designers. black
0: chief of the office. <laughs> they had me like in a whole nother area from
1: everyone else, <laughs> but not because of anything that you did, but because okay. they were undergoing a remodel and there wasn't room for all the de- designers to be together at that time. Right. So Jess was up front and the main entry, and I thought she was the office manager. And then she quickly corrected me <laughs> and said that she was a designer. And so we got to chatting and and then we started working together and because I was new in the office and they were undergoing a remodel I didn't have a desk and so I would work at Jessica's desk from time to time or we'd sit right next to each other and work together and it was a bit of a flu season and Jess had tissues all over her desk and it's been an ongoing joke ever since then that uh Jess loves to have tissues everywhere.
0: Yeah, and specifically with Stephanie and my husband Scott, like they will (laughs) text each other when it becomes flu season. And he's like, it's starting. And actually, funny, like to take that even further, (laughs) my tissues, my husband will tell you, my tissues have ended up in the freezer. My (laughs) old um, like coworker that I would share our uh, space with at Best Buy They've ended up in the safe before. Uh, they just kind of, they're, they're like traveling tissues and they just really end up wherever I am. <laughs> so it's, it's like always the ongoing, uh, oh, it's flu season, it's tissue season. <laughs> I don't so think that'll good. ever change.
1: <laughs> no, I don't think so either. No. Uh, so... We worked on a lot of projects together and mm-hmm. really valued our time there. Out quickly became best friends and you know, we worked there for almost a couple of years together. Yeah. <clears throat> and ended up having different life circumstances that took us away. I was struggling to get pregnant. I had been trying for six years to get pregnant and I was stressed out and overwhelmed and all the emotions that come with infertility. <clears throat> I was prepping to have some pretty invasive fertility treatments and had to have surgery as part of that, and so I just needed to step back for a minute. And Jess was building a house with her husband, and it was taking a lot of time. And I honestly think that was your passion too, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Sure. And so we both ended up leaving. Uh, we decided to join forces and create Etch Design Group. Mm -hmm. And that started our path in 2015. What do you remember about those early days of Etch?
0: Uh, Actually, one of the first thing that comes to mind is just figuring out Etch, what Etch is today. And um, I remember... I remember we had looked at like a thousand different names, and you and I were like brainstorming <laughs> what we wanted the company to be called. And I think from the very beginning, we always had the idea that it was going to be more than just Stephanie and I. Uh, we wanted kind of a collective group of people with the same mindset and the same values. And um, it really kind of spawned out of that. But I remember we had finally landed on Etch after, gosh weeks of trying to figure out what the name would be and the website was available everything was good and we're like okay this is this is it this feels right we're gonna do it and we went to buy the um domain name the very next day and it had just been sold like the <laughs> literally the night oh, I before totally forgot about that yeah and so stephanie's husband ian he he's very savvy in this regard but he like Tracked down the people that bought it, and we actually ended up getting it cheaper than <laughs> what we would have bought it for, like the day before. Um, but we bought it from them, and it was like the rest was history. It just felt right. And ironically, I think most people don't know this, but we started as three people and not two people. Um, so there was there was a third person involved. And, and today, like she's still one of our great friends. She actually owns a very successful design firm here in Austin as well. Um, but, uh, she also had some other life circumstances that were kind of in the way. And I think it just all sorted out exactly as it should have.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I remember those early days and you going to the construction site a lot because you were building a house and you really have a passion for that. I think you've learned a lot from being on site so much. Oh, oh Absolutely. Tell us a bit about what that was like, uh, you and Scott building a home together and being on site all the time and how you guys even got into that.
0: Yeah. So those were, uh, interesting days. (laughs) So at the time, okay. So just to kind of take you back and just give you a background. So Scott's dad actually um, was a pilot for Southwest for like 30 years. And he'd have like two weeks on, two weeks off. And he's not one that can just sit still and not do anything. So, um, he had knowledge in the construction industry and he bought up a bunch of lots in here in Austin, Davenport ranch, and he was building spec homes whenever the boys were growing up. And Scott has, uh, two brothers, two sisters, and, um, they were pretty much always on the job site with their dad whenever they were growing up. So they really learned the trade and how to, um, how to build things. And so, uh, fast forward to, you know, Scott and I getting together, we, really wanted to build a house um this i I had had one house previously but it was like a it's like a builder grade home so it was ready to go (laughs) very different than actually constructing a home and scott had actually started working for a doctor um one of his friends who owns a doctor's office and it was it was a very strange time because scott was so busy during the day he couldn't get on the phone with me like there were lots of executive decisions that really had to just be made on the fly And so his dad and I really ended up building our first house together. And I feel like we became very close in doing that, but also I learned so much. Um, We've built four houses together now, and um, three personally for ourselves, one for someone else, um, a friend of ours. And I think with every house, I learn so much. And I think that is something that has, not only do I love it, and it's really um, kind of brought out a passion that I didn't even know I had, but I'm able to, I think, add a lot of value to just our team as a whole because they ask me a lot of construction-related questions, and it's not always just design. Like, they they truly come to me because they want to know, like, how is this going to be constructed? And, like, what do I need to think about here? And have you done this before? And uh, it's just a really i think powerful <laughs> addition that i you know i can kind of bring to the table at etch because i do have that construction knowledge um but you know in in terms of like scott and us, uh, it's like we we to this day work together on a lot of construction projects but um at the time he 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 and his dad they've always been very very close And he loved the idea of not only building, but he also loved the idea of flying as well. And I think he really wanted to follow in his dad's footsteps and kind of understand what that passion, like what what was that underlying passion was with flying. And he always talked about it, but he never really did anything with it. And so I remember for Christmas one year, I had bought him uh, like an introduction to flying lesson. And he sat on that certificate for a good year and, and it was about to expire and I ran across it and I said, are you ever going to cash this in? And he's like, Oh, you know, maybe. And so I just ended up calling and booking it for him because I've learned with Scott, that's kind of what you have to do sometimes. And so I called and I booked it and I remember he came home that day and was so excited about flying. And, uh, you know, it was, it was, fascinating to see him so excited uh, excited about something and um, I said well like you should pursue that further so um, ironically one of his old clients from Best Buy had introduced him to his private like his personal private pilot his name's Billy and they immediately hit it off and Billy actually taught Scott how to fly and Scott eventually ended up flying for Billy full-time so it was really kind of like this I think destiny and how it all came together. Um, so it's pretty cool.
1: Well, and it's so interesting as we'll get into that flying and Scott being a pilot has affected our lives, uh, but also etch design group as a whole and how we view it. Yeah, for sure.
0: I think, um, you know, Scott and his flying, like that is definitely a pivotal part of our story but I think another pivotal part of our story is how you got to Utah because I don't think most people know but you actually live in Utah (laughs) so what transpired to get you there
1: yes most people don't know (laughs) that I am not in Austin Texas and when I'm on zoom or taking a phone call that I'm in a completely other state um so one thing that we didn't talk about back in the initial story of Etch Design Group was the fact that I had struggled, after I had struggled with infertility for six years, the month that we started Etch, I got pregnant. And so I had our first child. uh, The year after, Jess got pregnant and had her first child. And then the year after, I got pregnant again and had my second child. And Jess... The year after, got pregnant with her second child, and then the year after, I got pregnant with my third. Yeah. Yep. We had just traded off. Uh, it worked out really well, <laughs> and <laughs> and it was an ongoing joke with one of our builders in particular. He would always call and say, okay, I have a new project. Who's pregnant this time? And, and he always knew there was someone that was going to be pregnant and irritable, maybe, <laughs> <Someone> <laughs> who to work with, to work with and, and who not to work with. <laughs> So, so after my second child, I had a bit of a, uh, what I like to call a little mental breakdown. (laughs) And I came to Jess crying one day. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely, definitely. During pregnancy, after pregnancy, it's all emotion. Right, right. So after my second child was born, I went to Jess and told her that I was, really being drawn to moving closer to family. My parents moved to Utah and I had to get on a plane to go see anyone, whether it was Ian's family or my family. And at least Utah would bring us closer to everyone, shorter flights to get to others, but also my family and cousins and aunts and uncles and everyone would be in Utah. So we decided to move. And Jess being the amazing person that she is said, we'll figure it out and it was a huge sigh of relief for me and just knowing that she was up for the challenge and that we could do this and still work together and still have similar roles at itch and just continue forward even if I was remote
0: yeah well and I think at that point um I mean from the very beginning Steph like you always said like I I want to be very present for my kids I want to be here you know I, I don't necessarily want to be in the office every day. I want to be able to have the flexibility of working from home and just being there for them. And like, that was really a foundational pillar of why we wanted the flexibility that we wanted, because you knew you wanted to have a big family and you knew that, you know, you wanted to be present for them. And so I feel like the steps had already kind of been put into place. Like I was, I wanted to be at the office every day or you know be kind of there, and you did so well just kind of managing things on the back end of the business anyways, and still doing design that it was like this perfect um, divide, I guess you could say, between like we had our, each had our responsibilities that we were you know in charge of. and so it just worked out really well for you to be able to transition to things that didn't require you being in the office every day..
1: Right. That's true. And so near the beginning of 2019 is when we were in the process of figuring out where we were going to move and all of the details surrounding that, when, how. And uh, we came in March of 2019 to Utah to look at the house we were buying and get some plans in place, knowing that we wouldn't be moving for a few months, but just getting all of our ducks in a row. And I remember it very vividly because I was standing in our garage and I got a phone call from Jess and I thought it was odd because we had just talked and she knew I was going to a meeting with our builder and I wasn't going to have, you know, time to talk on the phone or anything. And we had just started our meeting. I looked down at my phone and Jess was calling and I thought something must be up because she knows I'm in a meeting so I better answer so I stepped away answered the phone call and yeah Jess why don't you tell what happened that day
0: yeah that's that's a tough day um I remember I was prepping for a big meeting I'm gonna get emotional here um I was prepping for a big meeting at the office and I remember that it was actually a client that we had just had a meeting with a couple days prior and the client had called afterwards and said like, you know, you guys did not hit the nail on the head. Um, what, What can we do here? And so it was kind of our second run at trying to make it right. And so we had worked overtime just to make sure that This presentation was going to go off without a hitch. And I had gotten a phone call from actually an old friend, an old work colleague from Best Buy, um, who ironically would fly with Scott on occasion. And he said, uh, it was very weird for him to call me. And so he said, Hey, Jess, um, I need you to sit down. And immediately I knew something wasn't right. Um, I did know that Scott was going to go fly that day. He had intended to be training, um, one of our friends all week in how to become a pilot. And, um, I remember we had actually just gotten back from a trip to Bora Bora, Scott and I, and that's actually where we found out that we were pregnant with Cora, my daughter. And, um, so obviously I, it was already an emotional time, um <laughs> pregnancy hormones and whatnot, and uh no one knew that I was pregnant, and so I got that call, and I sat down, and he said, "I can't get a hold of Scott. There's been a plane crash in Lakeway, and i I think he was on the plane, and uh." I, in my mind, I was kind of just envisioning it as like a, a car crash, like a fender bender or something, like nothing crazy. Um, like they just had a little accident, all all good, and quickly realized that was not the case. Um, calls start kind of piling in and everyone's asking me what's going on. I, I can't get a hold of Scott. And immediately I knew this wasn't good. Um, I actually gotten in the car. I I told our lead designer who was supposed to be doing that presentation with me that she was going to have to take over. And obviously she understood. And, um, and I get in the car and that's when I call Steph and I'm, I'm freaking out and I don't know what to do. I start to drive towards Lakeway thinking like, I'm just going to go to the crash site and like, you know, um, Scott will be there and you know, he, he just can't pick up the phone right now. Uh, Ian, I remember being in the background and he's on his phone googling trying to figure out what's going on and uh, he says it says online that there there's two meta flights that were sent to the crash site. One was being sent to Baylor Scott and White and Lakeway um, who and that that plane had the person that was kind of in worst condition and then uh, but they were both in critical condition and then the second, person was going to Del Seaton downtown. So um, more calls start rolling in. I, I'm taking them as I can and talking to Steph and they just keep looking up things for me. And uh, I find out eventually that Scott's at Del Seaton. And so I immediately turn around, I drive to Del Seaton and <clears throat> his sister had been listed as uh, an emergency contact from like years and years prior. And so she had been called and she actually made it there right before I did. And I remember walking into the emergency room and I tell him who I am. And my husband was in a plane crash and he was metaflighted here. And the lady at the desk said, okay, I'm going to need you to to take a seat in that room there for me. And I immediately think, is she about to tell me that my husband died? Like, I don't know what's happening Um, so I go sit in there and finally some, what, what feels like a thousand years go by and someone, it's probably maybe a minute later, someone comes in and she says, your husband's upstairs. He just got here, um, in the helicopter and he's like, she's like, I'll take him up to you. So we go up to this room and Jessica's already there and she's a mess and, um, I'm trying to keep everything together and figure out what's going on. I literally know nothing at this point. And she says, um, the lady that was in there with us says, okay, well, I'm, he's, he's, um, about to go into surgery. Would you like to see him before he goes in? And of course we say yes. And she says, I'm going to warn you. He doesn't look good. Um, and she says he fractured, uh, basically broke his hip, fractured his hip, Um, the whole left side of his body was just crushed essentially. And um, she said his face is in really bad shape um, and there's a lot of blood. And so immediately like she paints this really awful picture. And so I'm prepared walking into that room that it's not good. And I remember we walk in and it feels like a thousand degrees in that room. It was so hot and there were so many like bright lights. And um, I Walk in, and I remember seeing him for the first time, and it was, it was very painful. Uh, I mean, it, his his he did not look like himself. His nose was like laying on his his face, and there's blood everywhere. And like, I, I didn't really know what to think in that moment. Um, but I, I tell people like I feel like God just really put His hands on my shoulders in that very moment and said like It's gonna be okay." And I had this like feeling of calmness kind of come across me and I knew in that moment like I just had to kind of be the strong person um, and kind of be there for everyone else because I could see in that very moment in Scott's sister's face like she was, she, I, I didn't. I don't know if she thought he was gonna make it or not. Um, so the next 24 hours was the craziest. Um, I, I remember I had news reporters calling me, I had thousands of people like reaching out between Facebook and, and, uh, just friends in, in Austin and y- you name it, the, the everyone was there. I remember the Lakeway community and how amazing they were. I, it was like, I say I need anything and it's there within seconds. Like the, everyone just really lifted us up in this like terrible, terrible time. And, um, about an hour later, I got the phone call from, um, Kevin who was the person in the plane with, with Scott. He was one of Scott's good friends. I got the call from his wife, Jacqueline, I had only met her like one time prior to this super sweet girl and they had just gotten, um, married, you know, maybe a year or two years prior to the accident. And they, Kevin, I remember going up to the air park where they were training, um, maybe like a week before. And Kevin was so excited because he was telling me that they just found out that they were pregnant and, um, so we were in very similar situations. She's newly pregnant. I'm newly pregnant. We're dealing with this horrible crash. And um, and she tells me that Kevin didn't make it. And I, I was shocked, honestly. I was really shocked. I just didn't think that that was possible. And um, so she's asking me about Scott and he's in surgery at that point. I um I remember just trying to be strong for her and just also feeling like how is this possible? Like my husband's here and we're talking about him and her husband's not and you know, it's a very hard thing to process.
1: Really hard thing to process. Yeah. I remember you being <clears throat> I remember you being very strong that day as well. And the days following and the rehab and the hospital stays and the <clears throat> management of still being a mom, because you had a little boy at the same time, mm-hmm. you're still trying to be mom and business owner, designer, wife, a caretaker and friend and also pregnant, trying to make sure that you're getting what you need and the nourishment that your baby needs. And it was a lot. It was a lot at that time for sure. Yeah. That was tough. At the same time, I think back and remember that night of the crash, we got an email from the client that you were supposed to have the presentation with that our lead designer took over and they fired us and told us that, they're really sorry about Scott and obviously the circumstances are horrible, but that didn't change the fact that they just didn't think that Etch was a good fit for them. Um, you know, and that gave us a really unique opportunity to reflect on what was really important and give us perspective and that it's okay if we're not the right fit for everyone, it's okay that. Yeah. It didn't work out and We could give them recommendations for other designers that may be a better fit, and that was okay. And I think that has set in motion a lot of things for us the coming years and even to today. We are not perfect. We've made many mistakes as leaders and hopefully ones that we won't ever make again. I think that we have had the ability to think about what matters most in life and that's people and the homes that we design at etch are amazing. Obviously we're biased, but (laughs) we, we love design and are passionate about what we do. And at the end of the day, the people that live in those or use those spaces are way more important than any decorative element that we put in there. And our hope at the end of the day is to just provide a better place a place that is creating a happier environment for each person to live their fullest life. Mm -hmm. And honestly, we've thought a lot about that. We've talked a lot about it and what that means to us. And, um, yeah, that day really changed the course. I think of just our mindset. I totally agree.
0: And I, I remember that call between you and I that night and I remember thinking, wow, yes, I'm reading this and it sucks. It it always sucks to be turned down, right? But in like the grand scale of everything that was happening in that very moment, it was like this, I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but it didn't matter. Like it was, there was so much else going on and so many emotions and so many things that play in that very moment. And I'm thinking like, I got to get through the next 24 hours because my husband is in like critical condition and I don't know, you know, where this is going to go. They're telling me like he might have brain injuries and you know, all of these things. And luckily to this day, like he's been able to walk away from that. And there's been a lot of healing and a lot of, um, surgeries and, you know, all, all of the things that have come from that day, but in the grand scheme of things, like it truly is about the people and, um, you know, these things shape our lives and how we, how we think and how we feel and how we interpret, um, what happens in our life. And you think back to those days and, and it's like, while it was definitely, one of the, by far the toughest times of my entire life, I learned and I grew so much from that moment. It was a very defining moment in who I am and who etch, what, what etch has become. And I, for sure, for sure you as well, like it's just these defining moments that really shape us into who we are today. And, um, you know, I, I actually thank God for all that that accident brought into our lives and the people that it brought into our lives. I mean, one of the firefighters that rescued Scott, like to this day, he's a great friend of ours. And, you know, he and his wife will go to dinner and, um, you know, we don't really talk about the accident. Like we were truly just invested in each other's lives personally and want the best for each other. And it's just really amazing how we grow as people and what those situations can do to to define who we become as people honestly
1: mm-hmm. it is amazing well we didn't get to dive into a whole lot about etch specifically and where etch is today and our amazing team or who they are but we hope that in the future podcast sessions we'll be able to have them on and let them speak about their stories and give you a bit more glimpse about what happens in design day-to-day and our industry, but we really wanted to just, just share our story and what led us to present day and kind of the background of who we are. So thank you so much for listening and for being a part of this with us.
0: We hope you like it. We hope you you come back and uh, hear more of our stories and, you know, really get to know Stephanie and I and um, our team as well. We have such an amazing team at Etch, like Stephanie said, and we're just really excited to um, hear more about our listeners and our guests and have you um, learn more
1: about our team and just what we're all about. So thank you for joining us. And we hope to see you on a future episode where we are interviewing other guests and hearing about their passions and how they found their passion in life. Absolutely.
0: Thanks for your time. And we hope you come back. Thanks again for joining us for our first episode of 100 Lunches. We hope
1: you enjoyed it. Next
0: time, we'll be joined by a special guest who will share their story and what led them to their passion in life.
1: And until then, stay curious, dream big, and remember... The best conversations are always better with a side of something delicious.